fill out and communicate with the pastors, whether it is uh, to let us know that you were here as a guest. Uh, if you're your first time guest, we'd love to send you a little gift. Thank you know how much we appreciate you being with us today. Uh, if you have a, anybody has a prayer request or something you need the pastors to know about, this connection card is a great way uh, to do that. And uh, Brother Josh mentioned uh, the uh, Membership Matters class that's uh, scheduled to happen next week. If, uh, if there's uh, uh, people that sign up for that, you can sign up for that in this, with, uh, with this card as well. And you can fill out what you need to fill out and put in the offering plate later. Uh, and those will get to uh, us. And we appreciate any communication uh, that you would give us. So John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15 says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit, uh, everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe them. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever, ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. In our society, we're very familiar with this term, born again, aren't we? It's not something that we hear a lot. Uh, a lot of times people use it uh, to talk about a very serious Christian. A born-again Christian, which uh, I don't see how you can be a, a, a Christian that's not born again. It is kind of necessary, uh, as we see here in Christ's testimony of what it means to be born again. We also have this phrase for, uh, if there's a sudden change in your life, you might have a born-again Republican, right? Who used to be a Democrat, but now he's solidly Republican, or vice versa. A Republican who is now solidly a Democrat, and they may speak of them as being born again Democrat. So a lot of we use these phrases, this phrase just to show a huge change where something becomes very important to someone. But in this day, this was not a familiar phrase. This is something that Jesus introduces to the world right here with his conversation to Nicodemus. What I want us to take away this morning 
is this, is that to belong to the kingdom of God, you must be born again by the Holy Spirit through the work of Christ on the cross. To belong to the kingdom of God, you must be born again by the Holy Spirit through the work of Christ on the cross. So this man, Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee, and he comes to Jesus and, at night. And some have speculated, well, why, why did he come at night? Was he ashamed? Did he not want to be seen talking to Jesus? Maybe. We don't know for sure. But the truth is, John uses a lot of light and dark contrasts and we don't know exactly why he made this, but hey, here's when it happened. Uh, but he comes to Christ at night, and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing uh, if God were not with him. It seems like in this statement, we both kind of have this, uh, we have this respect uh, that that Nicodemus is paying to Jesus, while at the same time, I think we have a hint of uh, pretentiousness as well. He seems, uh, you know, he's, he's, he calls him rabbi, and that's a term of deep respect. He calls him a teacher from God. And that's a, that's a, a pretty big title, right? He's, he's, he's saying that, hey, I believe he's a teacher from God. Uh, he also acknowledges the signs, and so we know that Jesus has been performing these signs, and it's hard to explain outside the fact that he is from God. But he also seems pretentious in the way he uses this we. You know, it's, it's, this is, you know, I belong to this group of Pharisees and this, uh, this order uh, that is here to kind of see what you're about, Jesus. He's kind of giving his pretension, I belong to this group, and, and we're kind of the guardians, and we want to see or I want to see what you are about and, and maybe lend validation to your ministry or invalidate your ministry. And it's a bit of a mystery where Nicodemus was heading with this questioning. Was he there to try to teach Jesus something? Was he there to uh, derive some, uh, probably more likely to see he was there to kind of hear what Jesus had to say on some issues? But we don't know because Jesus instantly hijacks the conversation. <coughs> And we see that, first of all, he pointed throughout this testimony of the new birth. Uh, we see the necessity of the new birth, and it shows us that we cannot enter the kingdom without it. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How's that for an abrupt change in the conversation? You want me to teach you? Okay, I'll teach you. Let's jump right to it. And he really, with this testimony, makes clear the need of man that Jesus was here to fill. So he's saying, hey, Nicodemus, I'm not here for new teachings. I'm not here to bring about new teachings. That's not, that's not the main reason I'm here. Because... You're not keeping the teachings you already have. Right? I mean, that's what we know in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus basically says, you're not, none of you are keeping the law. You're not keeping the teachings you've already been given. And he's not here to, hey, I want to introduce some new religion, religious ritual into your life. Because we know through the Minor Prophets uh, that a lot of that was just outward things that they were doing while they're 
remained far, far from God. He wasn't even there just to forgive us. He wasn't even here just to say, hey, I'm going to wash you of your sins. Because as soon as he washes us of our sins, what are we going to do? We're going to walk out and we're going to sin some more. He needed to do even more than that. So what Christ is saying is that I'm here to create new people, not new teachings, not new religious ritual, but new people. As Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I'm here to take away your heart of stone, and I'm here to put in you a heart of flesh that beats for me and desires me. I'm here to, to, for a heart exchange. We didn't need anything new. We ourselves needed to be made new. We needed our dead hearts to be brought to life by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. But Nicodemus isn't quite tracking yet. He's still kind of caught up on this idea of being born again in a physical birth. He says in verse 4, How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely. They cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. You know, his question isn't far from what we say a lot of times. And that is this, is that, man, I'd like to have a do-over. And that, that would maybe solve some things if I could go back and be born again physically with the knowledge I have now, maybe I wouldn't make all the mistakes that I've made. And what I need is just to start over. I need a clean slate. And I think Nicodemus is wondering, hey, is this what you're talking about? Can I get another go at it? I, I tend to think that uh, if I went back with my knowledge, I would use it more for evil than good. I'd buy some thicker stocks uh, that would make me rich, and I would use my knowledge to get away with more. Probably if I know my own heart. I'm sure that taking my wisdom, going back with my wisdom, I would use it for godliness. I hope I would, but I don't know that. So Jesus replies, trying to take the focus away from the physical birth and putting it on the spiritual birth that God works in us. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of water and the Spirit. There's been lots of debate about this term. You must be born of water and the Spirit. Some have said this is this born of water just means a physical birth, right? We, we know, not to get too graphic here, the water breaks in, uh, in, in physical childbirth, and so that's talking about that. And then the Spirit is talking about the physical birth, the, the spiritual birth that we, we have to say. The, the problem with that is nowhere else in Scripture is uh, water, born of water, referencing a physical birth, and not even in the literature of the day, the non-biblical literature of the day, it just wasn't a term that was used for the physical birth we experience. So that's likely not what he's saying. Some uh, reference it as uh, possibly baptism. Is that born of water? That means we're baptized and later on we're born uh, of the Spirit, so we're baptized in the Spirit. 
But that seems to bring much more separation between water and spirit than, than what seems intended here. This water simply signifies the washing of the spirit that, this, that the spirit brings into our lives. This language uh, is not foreign from the work of the spirit. Titus 2, uh, or I'm sorry, Titus 3, 5 says this. He saved us, not because of works done uh, uh, by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. This water, this, this, this being born of water and the Spirit is kind of really one and the same of the, the Spirit washes us, it cleanses us, and then the Spirit comes into our life uh, to renew us. But the, the main point here is, and, and that he re reiterizes throughout this, is it has to happen. Nick Davis, the, the new birth has to happen. He says you must be born again multiple times. He says this has got to happen to you, Nicodemus, if you want to be a part of the kingdom. So it's necessary. The new birth is necessary. And next we see the nature of the new, new birth, and that it is definite, but, but the, it is the definite but mysterious work of the Spirit of God. So Christ continues, he says this, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. New birth is not the work of man. New birth is the work of the Spirit of God. Just like our physical birth is not something we do, our spiritual birth is not something that we do. It is something that the Spirit does within us. It is not as though that God violates man's will. On the contrary, man's will has already been violated by sin. The scripture is clear on this point of how just dramatically sin has corrupted everything about man. I'm going to throw some verses out there. We're not going to read them, but if you want to write them down uh, to make sure that they're there and I'm not lying to you. We're called morally evil in Luke 11:13. We're called lovers of darkness in John 3:19. We're called spiritually sick in Matthew 9:12. We're called slaves to sin in John 8, 34. We're called blinded to truth in 1 Corinthians 2, 14. We're called enemies of God in Romans 5, 10. We're called children of wrath in Ephesians 2, 3. We're called spiritually dead in Ephesians 2, 1 and Ephesians 5, 14. It is the new birth given to us by the Spirit that frees us from this bondage that sin has on our lives where none of us pursue God. It is the Spirit who changes that heart. It is the regenerating work of the Spirit. It is what God did for Lydia. In Acts chapter uh, 16, verse 14, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by 
Paul. God did a work in Lydia's heart so she could see the gospel and beauty of Christ and believe. Imagine how this landed on Nicodemus. I mean, Nicodemus' credentials are tight. I mean, they are great. I mean, he belongs to uh, this order of the Pharisees. And, and, and really, I mean, when we look at Nicodemus, he seems like a great guy that's in a genuine pursuit of God. He seems like a very morally upstanding man. And he, he feels like he is in this elevated place that he can come and see if he can't validate Jesus' ministry. And instead, he gets told, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Something You need to bring something more to God than just your credentials. Jesus cuts him off before he even gets start, started and says, if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You think that you're okay. You think that you're righteous and that you're in the kingdom because of what you have done. And, and God says, no. Jesus says, no. It is not about what you have done. It's about what I have done and will do in you. So Jesus brings up this idea of the wind. And he says, you see, wind's effect, right? We can go outside and we see uh, thankfully, finally, the effect of a cool fall wind, right? We've been waiting on this. We don't know where it's going or where it's heading. We don't know the direction and, uh, or where that wind's going to end up. It's, it moves through our lives very mysteriously. We know it's there. We see its effects. And yet, we see in the life or in the testimony of Jesus, that God's Spirit works like that. That it is a, a, a Spirit that you cannot deny its movement and its saving power, and yet you can't always trace it out. We're going to see, okay, we're going to see in uh, the very next chapter, we're going to be introduced to a very sinful woman, right? The, the woman at the well. It's one of my favorite stories of the Scriptures, and yet... Yeah, we're going to see, spoiler alert, we're going to see Christ save her amazingly. And we see here that, that God is, or that Christ is dealing with the very religious Nicodemus, that, that he seems like he has it all together. And it does appear that in the end, by all appearances, that Nicodemus does become born again. When it comes to the Spirit, in this work of salvation, you can expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Never pass over the moral because you think that they look awfully saved. And never walk past the immoral because you don't think they could ever be saved. Because the Spirit of God does not always blow like we think it's going to blow. And that's what's beautiful and amazing about it. That, the, that God in His Spirit saves the morally, the moral, those who are very moral, and those who are morally bankrupt. 
what is the source of the new birth? What is it that makes us able to be born again? We see this next, the source of the new birth is the work of Christ on the cross. Look at what Nicodemus is still confused in verse 9. He says, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replies, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Jesus is saying, look Nicodemus, you come here thinking you have it all figured out and you call yourself this amazing teacher and you cannot figure out anything I'm talking about. He even says, I'm not talking about complicated stuff. I'm talking about stuff you should be able to see and be able to understand. And he says, how are you, if you can't understand these earth, this earthly work that I'm talking about, how can you understand the heavenly work? And then he says, basically says, hey, if you want to go deep, Let's go deep. And so then he's going to pull back the veil and just totally reveal who he is. He says in verse 13, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So Jesus says, hey, you want to talk deep? You want to get behind the curtain for a second, Nicodemus? I am the Son of Man. I am God's God in the flesh. I came from heaven because I've been in heaven. And I'm going back to heaven. And he takes them back to this Old, Old Testament story when the people of God were wandering through the wilderness. And they were belly aching, and they were rebelling against God. And because of that, God sent serpents. He sent snakes into the camp to bite a bunch of people. Y'all, I'm telling you, this is the most terrifying part of the Scripture to me. I hate snakes. There's a Western I grew up watching, and man, this, this kid gets thrown off into a pile of water moccasins. It's the most horrifying scene of any movie bring me your horror movie it's got nothing on that western when you see those snakes striking that young man horrible i can think of nothing that's my biggest fear is to get struck by a snake because i don't know that the poison would kill me as much as just the absolute horror i've been bitten by a snake And yet, from Jesus' testimony, you know what he's saying here? The reality is, is that I have been bitten by a snake. That I have been struck by the serpent, Satan. And the venom of sin has gone throughout my body, and it has diseased me, and it has brought spiritual death to all of our souls and left to ourselves we will surely 
reap the eternal consequences of that sin, of, of that poison of sin in our blood. And there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. There's no antidote we can come up on our own. The cure exists outside of ourselves. Our cure is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He says here, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, and everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. Jesus says, I am the cure. I will be lifted up on the cross. And all those who will believe, not just, yeah, I think there was a dude that died on the cross. And yeah, his name was Jesus. Or, yeah, they, yeah, they killed this really nice guy. Uh, it was a bad deal. No, that, not just that it happened, but that you, you believe that it really has this kind of significance that it cures you of your curse of the venom of sin. So the Son of Man must be lifted up and everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. To belong to the Kingdom of God, you must be born again by the Holy Spirit through the work of Christ on the cross. Have you ever known this saving work of the Holy Spirit? Have you ever gazed upon Christ on the cross and believed? And truly believed? To find that quickening in your heart of the Holy Spirit's work of regeneration and to believe on the precious lifted up Christ. Have you? That's John. John who wrote that we may believe and have life. John is telling us you must believe. You must believe on the Christ that's lifted up. I'm going to ask you to please stand as our musicians come. Christian, maybe just reflect on the beauty of what you've been saved from and the wonderful, amazing work of Christ and, and that is your hope day to day and that, and that you, though infected with sin, have been made clean by the washing of the Holy Spirit. But you, a non-Christian who has who's never experienced the saving work of Christ, may you gaze upon Christ and believe in Him this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, move in us this morning. God, we thank You for Christ. God, we thank You that You brought Him into our world to, to do the work that would make us able to be born again. God, help us to realize our need to be made new. God, well, I pray that your spirit would open up hearts. Your spirit would change.
change hearts this morning the saving work the spirit through the work of Christ in Jesus name I pray amen